Hello, this is Carol A. Twal. I'm in the Life Experiences module. I'm not having a session right now, but I want to do an episode tonight. I'm still fighting a cold, and uh, this is important, though. I have to fight through my cold and talk about talk about something. Thankfully, I don't have laryngitis. It's only a head cold, so I can talk. Thank goodness. That's what I've got to be grateful for tonight on this beautiful Saturday, chilly Saturday night in Southern California. Yes. Um, I just had a, uh, episode. I just had a mental health episode, uh, about 45 minutes ago. Um, I had asked my, uh, roommate and best friend, Bruce, to, uh, go shopping for me, um, at the grocery store because, um, although I had to, uh, buy most of my groceries with Instacart since I have a cold. Um, I was planning on going uh, in person, but that obviously wasn't an option. Um, I'm going to totally leave coronavirus out of this episode, but um, I don't think it's good for me to go shopping in person. So um, my shopper did not was not able to find an item for uh, my cold. And, um, so my roommate offered to go, and, um, he brought home a two-for-one, and I was about to let him have one of them as a token of thanks for, uh, shopping for me. And also, if he catches a cold after I do, I would like him to have a, uh, I'd like him to have some relief as well. Well, just as I got those words out of my mouth to my roommate, my gracious offer to help him out by giving him some of the medicine since he got a two-for-one, I uh, ended up not being able to find the other item. It was like two items for the price of one, and um, I couldn't find the other item I wanted to give him. So I spent like 20 minutes freaking out and it wasn't me you guys it wasn't the mentally well carol that was in control i was i was fighting for control i was i was kind of acting intellectual and saying i don't know how this thing could disappear bruce i don't know why the item suddenly is gone um I have no idea where it is. I had it in my hand like two minutes ago, and it was gone. And he started to help me look for it, and he said, Carol, why don't you sit down and take a break? You're tired. Take care of your cold and um, get something to eat. Well, it wasn't Carol who spoke after that. It was something else. It was coming out of my mouth and it was coming out of my head and it was coming out of me but it wasn't me I started saying things like I'm such a stupid idiot I don't deserve to eat or uh, rest or lie down because I lost the item and um, that was just crazy that wasn't me, but it was someone else.
It was my caregiver. I'm an adult now, and I understand that my caregiver had some problems. I think she had a mental illness that wasn't diagnosed. I think she was an untreated adult child of a dysfunctional family. And um, I believe her when she said that she didn't get along with my grandparents, her parents. Um, my mother had an ailment. And uh, my grandparents had to take care of her and focus on her. And my aunt felt ignored. And um, my aunt had this constant resentment towards my grandparents. And my grandparents did use this old school, you know, beat with a belt, beat with a wooden spoon, and verbal abuse. And that, combined with my aunt not getting the love that she needed, really did my aunt. And I think she developed a uh, very serious defense response. Now, experts call it borderline personality disorder, and I'm not a psychiatrist, so I can't uh, diagnose her, but... I think she she might have developed it. Um, if she'd been to a psychiatrist, I don't know if he would have diagnosed her with that. And she had an eating disorder as well, and she was she had what I want to call an autobiochemical addiction. I think that's what she passed on to me. She was a love a love and sex addict. And um, she was also a codependent, passed that on to me. Um, I have an eating issue. I don't think I have a severe eating disorder as she had, but it might be developing now since I'm uh, trying to deal with my other addiction. So, um, as a result of my aunt having a lot of issues, she had resentments towards her, her parents, my grandparents. She hated my father because my father beat my mother and I think he might have beaten me and she told me she wanted to uh, to kill my father she had murderous rage toward my father and um, she had a big jealous resentment towards my mother her sister and uh, she was afraid that if she didn't adopt me my father was gonna get me after my mother died my father was going to try and get me. And, um, so tonight I finally faced the manifestations of my aunt's problems. She passed on a lot of her rage and her shit to me. She, um, made me believe that every time I made a mistake, she made me believe that every time I had a need, Every time I, I acted like the child that needed a, a parent, and she had taken that responsibility. She had adopted me. Um, as, soon as, my, as soon as my mother was pregnant with me, she um, assumed to adopt me in case anything uh, happened to my mother. And she, she predicted that my mother was going to die because she had me. And that was why I grew up most of my life believing that I had, I had somehow killed my mother when my mother died. My aunt uh, blamed her death on having me. 
her sickness on, on having me. Um, she said very often that her diabetic-related blindness was due to me being, me being born, her decision to have me, my mom's decision to have me. My aunt kept saying that. And uh, I'm an adult now. Understand, I'm an adult now. I understand all this stuff. She was just really agitated and really disturbed and really upset about things. But I don't think she did any better than my father might have. Now, God knows, my aunt might have taken better care of me, you know, in terms of the food and water and shelter and all that stuff, but the emotional stuff and the verbal stuff and the spiritual stuff, I grew up from age nine up believing that I was this bad little problem. And she especially hated it when I lost things. When I wasn't res always perfect at being responsible for taking care of my things or keeping them or, kn or knowing where they were, keeping track of where they were. So I'm a 55-year-old grown-ass woman and stuff is coming out of my mouth. That is not me at all right now. Saying I don't deserve to eat. I don't deserve to uh, take care of myself. And I'm sick. And um, we finally found the item. It was between the couch cushions. It somehow had rolled into, into the, under the couch cushions. And um, that was after we spent like 20 minutes of fr frantic finding and me being in that uh, place. I'm telling you this because the stuff that's programmed into us is really powerful. And I'm not the only one. There was another person that um, wrote to this woman on YouTube who calls herself Crappy Childhood Fairy. And she said that um, her father had such a resentment, her parents had such a resentment about her being born that her father would leave her at abandoned buildings and drive away. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not the only one. I knew I wasn't the only one who went through this kind of thing. Many, many people have children because they think they're supposed to, you guys. I learned that. And many parents or many uh, family members or people in general feel they have to adopt a child or take a child because they feel duty-bound or they don't think the other family member will do any better or they think that um, they're, they're so obsessed with the other family member abusing them more than, than they would treat me treating me worse than they would treat me. Now, now, granted, for a long time, I thought it was very noble of her to protect me from my father. And um, I honestly, genuinely looked forward to uh, her raising me when my mother died because we had a good relationship before my mother's death. You know, she was my aunt. She was fun. She acted more like my older sister than my aunt. And we had a lot of fun together, and we, we took family trips and family vacations together, just her and me, and, or her and me and a friend, or her and me and her boyfriend. But after my mother died, it was like she totally stopped doing that. And um, when she had to take on the role of being a parent 
full-time when reality hit her that she had to carry out her adoption responsibilities to me. She changed. And I grew up the rest of my childhood believing I was a bad person, a bad kid. I ran away from home when I was 16, and I live with my now roommate. But she still owns me. She's still in my head, you guys. And I'm scared because um, this is dangerous. I could become her and hurt myself. And that was how a lot of my self-harm started when I was... I started harming myself when I was 14. I stopped harming myself. I haven't self-harmed for two years. At least two years now. Maybe maybe longer. But um, And I'm not suicidal anymore. But um, she's still in my head. The damnedest things still come out of my mouth that are, that are not me. And that are so hor horribly uh, self-abasing toward myself. Even to the point where it's, where it's dangerous. So, um, I want to tell you guys, this is my disclaimer and this is my promise to you guys. If it ever gets out of hand, I promise, I will turn myself in, I will go in the hospital. Or I will turn my, my life and my trust over to someone I trust. And have them either turn me in or talk me down, do some really serious talk down. And remind me of this night. I remember, I've, I've had other incidents where I've been lucid enough to, to do that when I think I'm out of control. And lucky for me tonight, I, I was able to stay in command because we found the item. And then when I realized the voice in my head was still going, the voice that was my aunt was still going in my head, when I realized that I still didn't feel like I deserved to eat, I busted out crying. And I said to my roommate, Oh my God, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. This is programming. And I've got to effing stop it. So I immediately opened the refrigerator door and I got myself some food. And I sat down on the couch and I said, I'm going to fight this... I'm going to fight this voice with everything I've got. My aunt had a really serious mental illness. I think she had a mental illness. And she didn't even get diagnosed because I was the identified patient. In fact, she made every other family member the identified patients. She made my father the alcoholic. And my father did have a drinking problem. Now, my, now all the stuff that all the people that she criticized did have problems. It was the truth. Um, she called my father. She made my father the alcoholic. She made my mother the irresponsible, diabetic, diabetic sister that had me. She made me the fucked up, mentally ill child, mentally ill, fucked up kid. Uh, she made um, she made her 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 parents, my grandparents, the fucked up, dysfunctional, abusive uh, parents. And she made herself. She made herself the savior. She made herself the savior with low self-esteem, who was trying really hard to take care of, of Carol. And um, there is really an imbalance here with um, emotional power, you guys. I had to learn the hard way from doing a lot of work with my mentor and developing my mental wellness process. I had to learn the hard way that the whole family deserved validation. My grandparents had problems. Yes, they did. They shouldn't have hit, hit my aunt and my mom. 
that was wrong. They shouldn't have verbally abused them. They should have loved my my mother and my aunt equally. Um, you know, when, when, when one family member is sick, the other family members also deserve love and attention. Maybe not, spe maybe not the kind of love and attention that the sick person needs, but they still need it. My aunt, my aunt really tried to take care of me. I will never really understand what really went through her head, but I think on some level she cared about me and loved me. But she had she had problems that really got in the way of that that feeling she could have had for me, that getting along we had when she was still just my aunt. I mean, I knew it was in her. I don't think she was a bad person. Um, my father. My father drank. My father uh, did try to have a relationship with me when I was in my 20s. And I set a boundary with him. He made an effort to have a relationship with me. And that was, that was, that was awesome. And part of me really wanted to get to know him and meet him. But I had to draw the line when he wouldn't come over here to visit me. I was too uncomfortable to go and visit him in Kansas City all by myself. I wanted to, I want him to visit me here in San Diego. <coughs> and he didn't want to do that, and he cut me off again. So, um, oh. I don't want to make any family member the bad person. I don't even want to make myself the bad person anymore, but let me tell you something more. I have more trouble forgiving myself for being what I am than I have forgiving them for being what they are, my family members. And I think that's programmed in a lot of us. We're taught not to love ourselves. We're taught to even hate ourselves. And uh, that's what I think we need to fight in the Life Experiences module. <sighs> Hope you're all safe this Saturday night. If you're suicidal or a danger to yourself or, or someone else, call someone, please. Um, if you're in America, call 988 and stand up for yourself. Tell them you need some help. You don't feel safe. Or call a professional. Or call someone you trust that's going to take care of you when you're feeling like that. Even more. My equation of the suicide thing is this. Sometimes the pain is just too much. And we have to be very still. And we have to face what's causing the pain. <sighs> really. Well, take care. Take good care. I will too. End of recording.